You just look sickly, you look pale. Something's not quite right. He got walked by foot to Jerusalem. When he got to Jerusalem, he went into this little room. It seemed like hours as he waited for a man or an official coming into the room to look at this man. The man showed the official there, well, I've got this spot right here. He, and there was a sore that was oozing. He rolled up his sleeve a little higher, and I have another sore right here that's oozing. He showed his neck, and he had another sore there that was open. And he said, it's right here. He took his sandal off, and there was yet another nasty nodule on the top of his foot. And with that, the official, the priest, jumped back with a wild look in his eyes and said, I declare you to be unclean. And then he quoted Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, and his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip, and shall cry, Unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone without the camp shall his habitation be. The official gives one last sentence. May God have mercy on your soul. And he leaves the room. That man's life has completely been shattered right before his very eyes. You see, that man's worst nightmare has come true. Leprosy was a dreaded disease in Bible days. Much like AIDS, maybe Ebola, we don't really even have something that quite completely compares to what leprosy was like. And as he slowly picked himself up, he stood in that dark room just in shock. And then with determination... He started ripping his favorite robe that his wife made for him. He then bent down and gathered some dust, rubbed it on his face and hair until he looked like someone from a horror movie. And then he stepped outside, he slowly covered his mouth and for the first time declared these words, Unclean! Unclean! For the first time in that man's life, People saw him and they were disgusted and wanted nothing to do with this man. A mother quickly grabbed her child and yelled, Don't touch that man! Stay away from him! A vendor, a street vendor, threw something at him and shouted, Get out of here! We don't want that around here. And quickly the leper made his way outside the city. Several long miles. But the worst of it all was still to come. Yes, he was labeled unclean by the priest. And yes, people saw him, but he still had one more thing. Probably the worst part of it all. He could no longer have contact with his wife and his, and his children. 
When his wife saw him coming in the distance, she and her children ran to him with joy and excitement, only to hear him growl, Keep away from me! I'm no longer your father. I'm a leper. A funeral was held by the local rabbi because he was considered dead when he was diagnosed with leprosy. The man's health quickly went downhill. His body started to decompose. The odor of death poured out of every pore of this man. He lost all feeling in his extremities and could no longer sense pain. His fingers eventually fell off. You see, the word leprosy is from leprous, which means scaly. In the Old Testament, leprosy means to rot, and that's exactly what was happening. His skin was like a pool of slime. He was a dead man walking or trying to walk. When people saw him, they would throw stones at him as he neared the end of his life. His face towards the end of his life resembled a lion more than it did a man. He hardly looked human anymore. He was isolated. He was unwanted. One of the laws added by the rabbi said that it was unlawful for a leopard to come within 50 feet of a clean person. You talk about social distancing. 50 feet. And on a windy day, the rule changed to 200 feet. Leprosy was a physical disease, but it also made this man spiritually dirty and socially distant. He was decaying and dying in slow motion as he progressively self-destructed. His eyesight was failing. He knew complete blindness was approaching. He was disgusted. No one wanted anything to do with him. These five words would describe this man. He was unclean. He was unwanted. He was unworthy. He was unloved. And he was isolated. But as we look this morning at these verses this morning, I want you to understand something. We're going to see how Jesus loves the unlovely. We're going to see how Jesus will touch the untouchable. And as we walk through this passage, we'll see three things this morning. We'll see this man's misery. We'll see Jesus' mercy. And we'll see the mission that God gave this man. We look at verse number 40. It says, and there came a leper to him. Now, just sometimes we just look at that and think, oh, this guy just came. No, this man should not have been coming to Jesus. He had to keep his distance. No one wanted anything to do with this man. Because they didn't want his disease. And it says here, and there came a leper to him. He heard about Jesus. And I love this. It says here, he beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying to him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And look at verse 41. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, there's that word that Mark likes to use immediately over 40 times in 16 short chapters. And immediately 
the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But, but, he went out, the leper did, he's no longer a leper, and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Father, I pray that you'd bless the next few minutes that we have. We need you. We thank you for this passage of Scripture, and we are so thankful for the compassion of your Son. We look at this passage today and we think of this leper and we think of his physical condition. But this morning I also look at the spiritual side. And I think of our spiritual condition. We are sick and dead in our trespasses and sins. But you were rich in mercy. And you loved us. You changed our lives. Just like Jesus changed the life of this leper. Help the time that we have. May it be profitable today. We love you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We see number one this morning, we see the man's misery. We see misery. Number one, misery. This man was in misery. Men like him were told to stand at a distance. They had space that they had to give, just like the ten lepers we read about in Luke 17 and verse number 12. It says, And he entered into a certain village, and there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. It's really amazing that this man, as we look at this passage, he came to Christ. Because that lepers lived in isolation, had no personal contact with anyone, it's amazing the fact that this man got to Jesus. How it happened, anything else, he got there. And I think that the reason I gave you that little story this morning is because I think we understand what leprosy did to a person it literally was a death sentence and they were cast out from everyone they had nothing and no one and so this man you got to understand as we read earlier we read about and as we were earlier in this passage that's one of the things i love about going through the book we see all these things tie together well as jesus was in the synagogue and he cast out the demon in that man there, we see that noise started to spread abroad of who Jesus was. We saw how Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, and more people found out, and that night there were tons of people that Jesus ministered to. Remember last week he went out to pray, and the disciples were like, where are you at? And Jesus said, we got to keep going, got to keep preaching. And then we see the leper here. As we look at this, and as we study this, and we think about this, this man was in misery, in his misery, he came to Christ. You think about this mass, this man, rotting flesh, had faith that if Jesus wanted to, he could be healed. In fact, Dr. Luke, as I like to call him in the book of Luke, he was a physician. He mentions in Luke 5.12 that this man was full of leprosy and covered with it. Talking about this man in Luke chapter number 5. And the Bible even tells us, that um, in Matthew 8, verse number 2, 
tells us that the leper addressed Jesus as Lord. So you see it in different Gospels mentioned. But you've got to understand, this man came, and what does the Bible tell us? He fell on his face. He was begging him. Beseeching means to beseech strongly, to beg. He's on his knees. Lord, if thou wilt, thou can't make me clean. Kind of reminds me of Moses, what he did for his sister. The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 12, verse 13, And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. For Miriam, when she got leprosy. You think about this, this man stumbled through the crowd on what remained of his feet. Can you imagine how that crowd gasped in horror as this man approached Jesus, covering their mouths, covering their noses? They just need a mask and they would have been just fine right here. It took courage to come to Christ in the presence of all these people. It took great humility. His vocal cords had to have been damaged by this time, by all the nodules that had been built up. And you can just hear him in that raspy voice, his breathing very hard. Lord, if thou wilt, you can make me clean. This is the right way to come to Jesus. If you notice, do you notice what he says here? This man knew that Jesus could do it. He had great confidence in the power of Jesus. He just wasn't sure if Jesus would. What was the Lord's will? Hey, Lord, if it's your will, you can make me clean. What an attitude by this leper. We come to God and we're like, God, heal me now. Take this away from me now. Why do I have this disease? Why do I have this infirmity? Why did I get this cancer? Why did I get these? Lord, just take it away. But we see the right way to approach the Lord right here. Lord, I know you can do all things. If you wilt, I know that you can take this away. Very interesting as we read this here. We see this man in his misery. He came on his knees and begged, and yet he was submissive to God's will. May that be a lesson to all of us on how we approach God for the things that go on in life. I, we read passages of Scripture, and we read that woman, or that man got bread for his family because of his much importunity, his much begging, the Bible says. Remember, the, the, his friend was asleep in bed and his family and everything, and he kept bugging and bugging late at night because he had family coming, and he wanted to be able to give them something. And the Bible talks about that's how we should approach God. But we approach God in that way, but we need to approach him like the leper did here, where we approach him, where we beg him, but we say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. It's a great lesson for us. We see this man in his misery. Number two, we see Jesus and his mercy. Well, everyone else was repulsed by the leopard and couldn't even look at him. Look at what Jesus does. Verse number 41, And Jesus moved with compassion. Yelled at the man and said, Get out of here! What are you doing here? No, 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 no. What did Jesus do? He put forth his hand. And not only did he put forth his hand, he touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. Jesus was moved with compassion. That means he was filled with compassion. 
It means they gripped him deeply in his gut or literally in his bowels. And Jesus felt agony of this man. The isolation he'd been in, the loss that he had. And it was common for Jesus to be filled with compassion. As we see in Mark 6, verse number 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were a sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Here's the question. When you and I see someone in misery, are we moved with compassion? We should be. As a society today and in our world today, there is a lack of compassion. And we're going to talk more about that here in a couple of minutes. We look, Jesus loved this man. He felt mercy and compassion. It touched the Lord's heart. And what did he do? He put forth his hand and touched him. And this was not a tentative little touch. The Greek refers to Jesus extending his hand or fastening and adhering to the leper. Rather than pulling back, Jesus reached forth. Jesus loves to give the touch of tenderness. Do you know how, imagine how long it had been for that man since someone had touched him? Years. It's one of the things about Jesus. I can count eight times in the book of Mark where he literally did just that. He touched. Every one of us in this room this morning that's saved, which I think is all of us, or you claim to be, and if you're not, you need to take care of that, and we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. Just because you come to church and just because you claim to be a Christian, make sure you are. Make sure you're saved, because when you stand before God, it's going to matter, it's going to count. And uh, you say, well, what's everyone in the room going to think? I wouldn't give a flip what anybody in the room thinks. Because the only one who matters is Christ. And if, I, and if he's going to say to me, depart from me, I know you not, then uh, that's not what I want. I want to know him, and I want to make sure I'm saved. I'm not trying to scare you out of your salvation, but if one of the 12 wasn't saved, I think that it's very easily in this room there could be someone that's not. I'm not questioning you. I'm just saying make sure, make sure you have your eternity settled and set. Jesus declared, I will. Isn't that, that's how life works. It's according to God's will. This man was healed because it was God's will for him to be healed. And you know, sometimes, church, there are things that go on and we say, I, why didn't God heal this person? Why did this happen? I did a memorial service for Belinda's mom yesterday, 65 years old. Why wasn't she healed? She's only 65. It wasn't the Lord's will. And that's not being not compassionate, but that's the truth. Jesus could have told this man, no. In fact, you remember as we read, was it two weeks ago, as we were talking about Peter's mother-in-law and how people came after that? It said many of them were healed. It didn't say all of them. You've got to understand God's will needs to reign supreme. And we see that Jesus, what does he say here? Jesus says to him, be clean. And as soon as Jesus spoke that, immediately the leper was cleansed. He was made new. 
I believe that those fingers that had fallen off were put back in place. Those feet that could barely walk were suddenly walking again. The skin that was all scaly and all oozing was made whole again. Those eyes that were almost blind immediately were made whole. In a split second, Jesus changed this leper's life forever. Which leads us to number three. We see the mission that God gave this man. Now this is where the story gets a little strange to me, but you're, it's going to make sense to you here in a minute. Jesus isn't done. You see, he sees the misery. He extends mercy so this man will live on mission. Now look at what Jesus tells him. Look at verse 43. And he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away. Jesus does not give this guy a suggestion. Hey, now that you're whole, here's a good idea. Go do this. No, Jesus says, this is what you need to do. That's the sense of what it is said here. Um, when you think about it, it was, an author- it was very authoritative. He straightly charged him. And this, used, this word was used of a horse snorting. It was a strong force. Behind- it was authoritative. Not only was it authoritative, but it was forceful. Jesus sent him away. This literally means Jesus thrust him out of the crowd and told him to go do something. He had a mission to complete. Look at what Jesus says in verse 44 was the mission. And he saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Wow. There were two parts to this command. The one was negative, one was positive. The first one was, say nothing to anyone. Don't say a word about this to anyone here. And then, go show yourself to the priest. This man, who was from Galilee, is told to journey to Jerusalem to the priest, which would take several days. And to meet the priest, that may be the same one who diagnosed him with his leprosy, and follow what the law dictated. You would go back to them, the priest would deem you clean. Jesus was following the law here. But look at what the man does in verse 45. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Interesting here. Jesus says, tell no one. And what does he do? He tells everybody. We're told to tell everybody, and we tell no one. We do the exact opposite. So maybe if the Lord told us to tell no one, we'd tell everyone about it. Maybe that's the key, to say the opposite. Sometimes I feel like that with my kids. Maybe I tell them, hey, just be super loud, make all the noise you want, and maybe then they'd be quiet. Because when I tell them be quiet or we're on the phone, you know, especially when we get on the phone, kids, just, there's something in them. They just know that's the time, or I'm just reaping what I sowed to my parents, and I think that's more the truth. And every time I'm like, oh, man, I wish I would have just been quiet as a kid. The only problem my kids have today compared to me, 
When my mom had the phone, she had that cord. She was stuck to her cord. Praise God. Cell phones today, I can be anywhere. And those kids, I can be smacking them. No, I, no, I could be helping them with one hand and still on the phone with the other. It's amazing how that can work. Technology, I'm thankful for technology in that way. Kids that have to grow up without phones that had cords, I feel so bad for them. They miss out on a lot of fun in life that I got to have, but that I still pay for because of my children. Jesus touched this man, and all he did was go out and testify about it. But by doing that and disobeying Jesus, he brought harm to the cause of Christ. I want to give you a couple thoughts about this, and I'm going to tie everything together and we'll be done. You look at what happens, the Bible tells us that insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. I want to give you five thoughts on why this man's disobedience was detrimental. The first one is this. Think about this. Why this man's actions were detrimental. It's because, number one, it was disobedient. Jesus told him, go. What did he tell him? The exact words. He said, see that thou say nothing to any man. That was Jesus' command after he healed the man. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22, to obey is better than sacrifice. It was disobedience. Here's a question for you this morning. Have you been delivered like the leper, but still have areas where you're disobeying the Lord? It was common, you think about this, for people to get what they wanted from Jesus and then to turn around and do what they wanted to do. Do you ever find yourself saying, I know what the Bible says, but watch out. I know what God's Word says, but I'm going to do this. That's exactly what this man did right here. Now, some of us, maybe your thing is, uh, maybe we would obey if we understood. I don't understand, you know, like this leper here, you heal me and you don't want people to know? He didn't understand. But Jesus saw the whole picture. And may I just help you out this morning? Get this this morning. If you get nothing else this morning, say, but I just don't understand. Why do this? Get over it and just do what he tells you to do. He knows what we should do the word is always right, and let's just follow it. There's going to be some things that God tells us to do that we just will not understand. If you wait for everything to make sense to you, that's not how it works. You see, if you ever find yourself thinking something like this, I just can't see God being that way. It doesn't make sense. You should stop, check your heart, and ponder this statement. Faith means doing what God has told you to do, even if you don't understand the reason why. You know, as kids, your parents say, don't do that. Why? How many of you, your kids ever said why to you? And you say, well, because I said, but I don't see it. Just do what I tell you to do. I've got a little bit more wisdom than you. And I see what that decision will do. And we get frustrated when our children do it to us. 
But we spend time in the book, and God says, do something. We're like, why? I don't understand it. I don't see it. Why should I give? Why should I witness? Why should I read my Bible? Why should I try to live a clean life for the Lord? Why? You're never going to fully understand. Just obey him. That's the best thing we can do. We see the first thing about this man's decision here was disobedient. Number two, it hampered Jesus. It's interesting that now the leper can go into the cities, but guess who couldn't? Jesus couldn't. Disobedience, even when it comes from good motives, can lead to hindering the work of God. It is never right to do wrong in order to get a chance to do right. Wrong is never right, no matter how you view it. And here's a good question. Do you have any disobedience going on in your life right now that could hinder the work of Christ? This man's disobedience hindered God's work in these cities. Jesus could not openly go into these cities. Third thing is this. It confused the mission. So how did it confuse the mission? Well, did you read what the Bible told us in verse 39 and 38 of this passage? Verse 38 said, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. Why did Jesus come? To preach. The gospel, the good news. But you see, the people flocked to Jesus for his miracles more than the message of the gospel. Jesus came to preach, not to perform for others. The miracles were intended to validate the ministry of Christ. They were not the ministry. They validated who Jesus was. But by this man's disobedience, it confused the mission. Number four, it short-circuited ministry to the priests. Think about that. We don't really think about that. This man was supposed to go to the priest. The priest missed out on compelling proof that Jesus Christ is who he said he was because the man never went there. The cleansing of the leper was an undeniable messianic sign according to Matthew 11, verse number 5. It was clear. If the priest declared the leper clean, but rejected the one who cleansed him, that was an opportunity for the priest to be helped, in all honesty, when you view it that way. And then, number five, it kept him, the leper, from fully entering society. Had he gone to the priest, he would have been given documentation that he was no longer to be ostracized from the community. You see, his disobedience not only hurt the cause of Christ, but it also hurt himself. That's what disobedience does to us. And that's where, church, we've got to understand this morning, when Jesus says something, just obey him. Do what he says. He knows what he's talking about. Let's not be a hindrance to the mission that God has for us. As we close this morning, and we're running out of time, but we're, we're all right, this miracle that took place, the healing of the leper, I believe there are two messages in this that I want to give you. 
The first message is for an unbeliever, and the second message is for a believer. As we look at this, I'm going to go through, and I'm only going to take a couple minutes here, but I'm going to give you a little bit of application from the message today. As we look at this, first, as I go into this, I want to talk about those who are not saved. You say, Pastor, could that be someone? It could be. I pray everyone in this room is saved, but I would make sure you are. Make sure you know. I mentioned yesterday the service I did yesterday for Belinda's mom, 65 years old. That's not very old. There are a lot of you in this room older than that. In all honesty, at a moment, the blink of an eye, life is done. And you don't get any do-overs. When, it com- when it's your time, there's nothing you can do. It's your time. But I mentioned yesterday, I'm 35. I don't know what the future holds. I may never get to be 65. I don't know. That's 30 years from now. I may not make it to 36. It's only a few months from now. Or I could be 90. Who knows? The one thing I do know is, right before we were getting ready to have children, especially William, William was about to come, and a week beforehand, there's something that we did. We took a suitcase and packed it with clothes and had it by the door. So at a moment's notice, we were ready to go. We had it ready. Everything was great with that. Alyssa comes along, and she was supposed to be born on her anniversary, August 26th. That was her due date. She comes on August 9th. There was no suitcase packed. In fact, we'd just gotten back from a little trip. It was Wednesday afternoon. I preached church Wednesday evening. Caroline said she wasn't feeling great. She was just laying down. And then I came home from, I came back to the parsonage from church, and she had those eyes, and I knew the baby was coming. We got in the car, went to the hospital, and guess what? We didn't have a thing with us. We were not prepared, anything else. We stayed overnight. The next morning, I ran home, got some clothes, got some different things, rushed back. Alyssa was born within an hour after I got back. William, everything was packed and ready to go. Alyssa, we were not ready to go. And then the other two, I can't even remember what happened with them. I just remember the first two. You start having four or five kids, it just it all blends together. I know one of them has a red hair and one's blonde, Matthew and David. I know that much. But um, the one thing I know about in this life right now, I don't know when my time's going to be, but I know my bags are packed. My life insurance is in order, and I know where I'm going to be. As we look at this passage of Scripture, and as we've studied this today, we see the message for the unbelievers today. And this encounter between the Lord and the leper is really a parable about sin and salvation. You see, sin like leprosy starts out small and spreads. Laziness turns to lust. Alcohol turns to alcoholism. A little peck on the cheek could lead to pregnancy outside of marriage. Like leprosy, sin can deaden and numb us to its effects. Sin can progressively enslave us. Like leprosy, sin defiles everything that it touches. Sin spiritually disfigures us. Sin isolates us. Satan presents sin as pleasurable when in fact sin is putrid. Sin can destroy our lives. Someone said like this, sin will take you farther than you plan to go, cost you more than you can pay, and keep you longer than you plan to stay. 
Like leprosy, sin is terminal. Anything the leper touched was destined for fire. Leviticus 13, verse 52. And sin leads to eternal judgment. If you're an unbeliever sitting in this room this morning, you need to see yourself for who you truly are. I think we've been talking about that in the book of Romans. There is nothing good in us. Nothing. We could never add up. And the only thing, the only way to salvation is not in what we do, but it's receiving the mercy of Jesus like the leper did in this passage. See, what Jesus did for the leper, he can do for you this morning. Salvation is knowing you're a sinner, knowing there's a penalty for your sin, knowing that Jesus Christ paid it, and simply believing that Jesus Christ died, rose again for you and your sin. That's what salvation is all about. And just as the leper was healed, you could be healed today. And your sin could be washed away. That leper went, I mentioned earlier in the message today, he went from unclean, unwanted, unworthy, unloved, and isolated. He went to clean, to being wanted, to having worth, to being loved, and with people again. You see, our misery is worse than we could ever imagine. But Jesus' mercy is deeper and greater than our misery. And our mission is greater than what we realize. If you're not saved today, let today be the day you trust him. Number two, and for believers, I got a message for believers real quickly. As we follow Jesus Christ and our disciples of the Lord, we're called to reach out to the unlovable. We're to touch the untouchable. We're to have compassion for this world around us. Craig Rochelle, he pastors Life Church. He wrote a book a few years ago, and this was the name of the book, Following Jesus in a Selfie-Centered World. A very good book, and I would suggest every Christian read it. Say, well, he doesn't use the King James in there. I realize that. You should read it. I highly recommend it. There are several of his books I would highly recommend. I might not do church the way he does church, and I might not agree on everything that he does, but especially this book, I highly recommend it to you. Following Jesus in a selfie-centered world, he quoted a groundbreaking study of 14,000 people that showed a deep, um, sharp decline in compassion in our culture. Get this, this was the summary of the whole book. If you don't read it, this is the summary of the whole thing. We care 40% less as a whole than we did in 1980 as a society. We care 40% less for the common man than what we did in 1980 today. He gave three reasons for this. The first reason is this. In our selfie-centered world, we've become increasingly obsessed with ourselves. That's where we live today a very selfish, selfish people. You see it all around us today. Those of you in the 80s, I was born in 85, so I don't remember a lot of the 80s. But I'll tell you this, several of you in the room know what I'm talking about. 
the compassion the people had years ago compared to today, there is a big difference. But part of that has to do with because we become increasingly obsessed with ourselves. We focus on ourselves. It's all, you know, what is a selfie? Think about that one there for a second. We post selfies of ourselves. All the, it's all, life is all about us. Second reason is we have less personal interaction with people, which makes it easy not to care. That's very true. My eye affects my heart. Isn't that what Jeremiah said in the book of Lamentations? And so, and I get COVID, I get all of that, but we're really hurting ourselves by isolating everybody from one another. People don't see that and get that. I heard an example, and someone in the room told me this a while back. I don't remember who it was. If you told me it, and I butcher your story a little bit, at least I remember part of the story. But someone that they knew had been in the hospital with COVID for several weeks dying their loved one somehow got in the hospital to see them and just their loved one being there within a couple days they were recuperating and they're out of the hospital today i wonder how many people could be helped with just a little human interaction from their loved ones instead of being dropped off at a hospital or you know we got people in our church betty laughlin has been in a nursing home for several years it's coming up in two weeks, one year, without one person seeing her besides a nurse and a gown and a mask the entire time. And I get, you want to be careful with the virus, I get all of that. But what happens is, you know, we hear people, well, you can just, you can just do it on your, you can just see them right here. That's not the same. I appreciate technology. I appreciate that we can have a live stream. But you got to understand something. The less personal interaction we have with people, it's easier not to care. Now, the third thing that Craig Rochelle says in his book is this. The overwhelming exposure to news and needs in the world is actually desensitizing us. So whenever we read something on a screen, everything gets equal real estate and looks equally important. So think about this. If I'm scrolling through, I might see a new recipe for guacamole, and then a story about a football player beating his girlfriend, and then a link to a funny cat video, and then a picture of someone being beheaded by ISIS. And this is not, what the researchers said is this, they argue that our brains don't know how to distinguish between how all these stories show up in our news feeds. And ISIS beheading doesn't grab your attention, because it shows right up to next to the guacamole and the cat video. It's just desensitizing us when it's all together. Friends, we're called to be compassionate for those around us. Not just on a screen, but face to face. Who do you need to reach out and touch? Some groups I'm just going to name as we just for a minute here. Some groups that we as the people of God should be reaching out to. Those with depression and mental illness. The elderly, especially those in nursing homes. Widows and widowers. Those from a different political party. Those of a different race or ethnicity. Those who live, think about this, 
Women who get pregnant outside of marriage. Singles, single parents, the pre-born, orphans, the less fortunate, those with cancer, those with AIDS, those alone and forgotten, the disabled, anyone that doesn't fit into your clique or your social class, anyone you're holding a grudge against, or even Raider fans today. They deserve some compassion. I think someone worded it like this, the modern church rejects the outcasts of society, whereas these very outcasts were the very ones who were drawn to Jesus. Church, we need to have compassion like Jesus. We need to reach out to those who are hurting. We need to reach out to those who need help. We need to do our job. Get some compassion. Compassion is not just feeling empathy for someone. It's doing something about it. One of our missionaries, um, the good pastors, Nathan and his wife, Audrey, my um, brother, um, they're back on furlough from the Philippines right now, but he was in um, the Philippines with them working in their ministry. A couple days ago, Nathan, a very good friend of mine, I've known him since college. He hadn't slept in over a week, and he's ha he has a mental breakdown. He started posting videos every 20 minutes, how he was a prophet, and that the Lord had taken his wife and kids, and he was all these different things. He's in a hospital today, getting help. His wife, they have five or six kids, they have a lot of kids, and she's trying to figure things out and what the next step is. My mom, when I was younger, her medicine caused her to have a mental breakdown. I was 15. I know how I felt. My heart breaks for those kids. They're in a different country. His wife, himself, he's a good man. Stress, sleep, deprivation has all gotten to him. And you hear a lot of people, well, <laughs> I hear their mission board they're with, and I don't even, their mission board just decided to drop him because he's, he's doctrinally unstable. That mission board is not showing the compassion of Christ. They should be figuring out how to get them back home and to get them help and to do whatever they can for them. But that's how Christianity, where Christianity's gotten today. We need to reach out to those that are unloved those who are hurting, and show them Jesus Christ. Don't ever lose sight of that. Let's have some compassion. I love that verse in Jude, verse 22, and some having compassion, making a difference. But you could really twist that verse around and say, then there's those who don't have compassion, and they make no difference in this world. Let's make a difference by having compassion and loving those who need to be loved. Loving those who are unwanted. Jesus could have done anything he wanted to with this leper, but he said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll heal you. I'll make you whole. And then the man goes out and does things his own way. Even messes up Jesus' ministry a little bit. But Jesus still healed him and he loved him. Let's get some compassion as a church.